Disc 2 The Sinister Sponge From the Doctor Who Annual 1976 Read by Dan Starkey What are they like? Like? Answered the Doctor in an offhand manner Marvellous creatures They're like all inscrutes Perfectly normal He fussed over a panel of dials That's what you said about the Spectrons And they had seven ears Harry walked over to stand beside Sarah The Doctor continued fussing until a screen lit up the atmosphere on Spectro nullifies sound waves. It would be abnormal if they had less than seven ears. Ah! He looked up at the screen and saw a beautiful valley full of large, richly coloured plants, some growing to heights of twenty feet. The old place hasn't changed much, he muttered to himself, half smiling at the memory of the last time he had been on Inscruta. Come on, let's go out and meet the people. Outside, the air was fresh and cool, and a haunting fragrance made the three of them stop and just stand there, breathing deeply. That smell, cried Sarah. It's like, like... The doctor laughed. <laughs> it does seem familiar, doesn't it? I've spent many pleasant evenings trying to place it. At first I thought I recognised it, but I can assure you that the smell of this planet is unique and only one of the many wonders of Inscrutiae. Like that funny-coloured cloud over there? asked Harry, pointing. A small, greeny-yellow cloud had appeared at the rim of the valley and seemed to be moving towards them. That's funny, mused the Doctor. Its movement is anything but nebula. The cloud was coming towards them. It skirted past mushrooms eight foot high, brushed aside tentacles reaching out from the gaping mouth of a huge red flower, and finally stopped, silently still, hovering in the air some ten yards away from them. That's no cloud, said Harry. It's more like a, a sponge, said Sarah, backing away as the sponge hovered closer to her. The sponge moved closer and closer to Sarah until she put out a hand as if to push it away. At once the sponge changed shape and wrapped itself around her. She cried out and then all was quiet. The sponge sped off back the way it came, shivering violently as Sarah tried to fight her way free of the folds that enveloped her. Doctor Who and Harry gave chase. As they rushed through the foliage, the Doctor's mind was working overtime. The only other sponge creatures he knew that could fly came from Femizor, but that was six billion light years away. In his haste, he failed to notice the long, sticky tentacle that snaked out and wrapped itself around his feet. He fell heavily, and his involuntary cry made Harry whirl round. The young medical officer saw Doctor Who struggling to free himself from the tentacle that was slowly dragging him towards the mouth of Harry to help the doctor. A second tentacle leapt from the flower like a chameleon's tongue and wrapped itself around Harry's neck. Wriggling and cursing, the two men were drawn into the middle of the flower and could only watch helplessly as the huge red petals closed around them. Bathed in a dim red glow, the two men felt the grip of the tentacles grow tighter. What little light there was that filtered through the translucent petals showed a network of small veins carrying a colourless fluid around the entire plant. A quiet, insistent hissing noise made them look down, and the smell of burning rubber rose from their feet. Acid! The 
plant was beginning to digest them. The doctor told Harry to light a match and hold it against the tentacle that was gradually wringing the life from him. He did so, but in a reflex action, the tentacle tightened its grip around his neck. Harry dropped the match. Soon the acid would burn through their shoes and start on their feet. Land of hope and glory, mother of the free. How can we extol thee? Doctor Who began to sing loudly, and Harry gurgled with surprise. Come on, Harry, louder, urged the doctor. Sing, shout, anything, but make it loud. The two men stood in the confined space of the flower, singing and shouting for all they were worth. The tentacles relaxed and seemed to shrink from them. They began yelling and screaming, and the walls of their prison shifted, letting in a thin ray of light. The doctor grabbed both sides of the wall and pushed, howling as though his lungs were about to burst. Unable to contain the terrible noise, the flower opened completely, and they were able to scramble out. They threw off their shoes and sat, panting against a tree, out of range of the plant's deadly tentacles. Noise, whispered the doctor in explanation. It frightens anything not used to it. So does a mating plant. Harry and the doctor trod carefully in the direction the sponge had gone. There was no sign of it. The doctor looked worried. If only he could find Elkalor, the inscrute leader who had befriended him on a previous visit. As they entered a field of what looked like giant cabbages, Harry shivered. It was getting cold. The sun was going down, and it would soon be completely dark on the moonless planet. Who could tell As what dangers the particularly hell. large cabbage? The doctor gave a startled gasp. The rim of a leaf was wobbling, and a large head peeped over the top. Elkalor! The head ducked down, then slowly reappeared. Doctor, come quickly, before the sun sets! Elkalor's voice was a loud whisper. The doctor and Harry went over to the cabbage. Here, grab this! Elkalor threw a vine down for them to climb up. They climbed to the rim of the outside leaf, and Elkalor pulled them down between the leaves to the heart, where, inside a box-like framework, there was a table and a lamp. These will keep the leaves from crushing us when the sun goes down. Elkalor patted one of the beams that made up the frame. Stuck inside a cabbage, Harry smiled bewilderedly. When it grows dark, the leaves close up and we will be safe here, whispered Elkalor. It's not very spacious, but... Doctor? The doctor didn't answer immediately. He was staring at Elkalor in amazement. Harry coughed, and Doctor Who seemed to come to life. Elkalor, what's happened to you? Elkalor stood there, trembling slightly. He was taller than the Doctor, and thinner. His face had no chin, and his neck went straight up to his beak-like nose. His eyes were set wide apart, and long, thin tendrils stood up on the top of his head. But what amazed the Doctor was his flesh. It was almost transparent, and every time he made a sudden movement, he shivered like a jelly. Elkalor held up a hand and winced, as if the doctor's question pained him. Please, doctor, he whispered. Our resistance to sound is very low. I would appreciate it if you could communicate 
by the Galactic Federation Sign Language, A-17, Section 4. Section 4, whispered the Doctor, with his hand on his chin. Sorry, Elkalor, but I'm blowed if I can remember it. Or any of the other sections, to tell you the truth. Never thought I'd need a morning scooter. Then a whisper will suffice. You will remember from your last visit how abnormally sensitive to sound all life on this planet is. And this is the heart of our problem. Five ergaps after you left, all the males were stricken by a disease that caused our feathers to fall out and our flesh to become transparent. No one could discover a reason for it, or a cure. The lamp on the table flickered, and Elkalor paused time that our wives and daughters began to harass us, began to question our judgment and authority. They would hold mass meetings in the council buildings and cause a great noise that was most distressing for us. While they seemed to get less and less sensitive to sound, we males could hardly bear to hear a pin drop. One of the males discovered that the women had been harboring a giant sponge in the council hall and were communicating telepathically with it. When we objected to this, they drove us from the city with a ceaseless barrage of chattering and shouting and loud bangings. We have lived here in this patch ever since. Elkalor shrugged. A beam creaked as the leathery cabbage leaves rustled closer together. The doctor looked thoughtful. Finally he spoke, but so softly he could barely be heard. Elkalor... I know the tradition of Inscruta forbids you to accept help from any source, but I ask you, as one who has accepted your gracious hospitality, please let Harry and me assist you in what way we can. Despite its tactful phrasing, the doctor's plea was dismissed. It cannot be. Though they come every day to torment us with that noise, though our very bones are turning to jelly, I cannot entertain your kind offer. This affair does not concern you. But it does, whispered Harry, and very directly. The doctor and Elkalor turned to face Harry, who was holding up his hand in the light cast from the lamp on the table. They gasped. There was hardly any shadow cast on the leafy wall. Harry was becoming transparent. When dawn came, and the thick leaves of their warm cabbage home began to open to the sunlight, the doctor and Harry were resolved as to their course of action. Harry, who was already having trouble with anything but the faintest whisper, had cut a pair of leathery earmuffs out of the cabbage with his knife and was determined to be there when they confronted the females and their sponge. Elkalor was resigned to the doctor's interference, if only to help Harry. As the sun rose slowly in the sky, Doctor Who made a quick journey back to the TARDIS and the men from the neighbouring cabbages congregated in the middle of the patch, waiting for their wives and daughters to come and taunt them. It was not long before a rattling and shouting could be heard getting nearer and nearer. The Inscrutes covered their hypersensitive ears with their hands and cringed. The sponge hovered into view, flanked by female Inscrutes furiously bashing pots and pans and shouting. Harry started. To the right of the sponge, her face contorted into a snarl, was Sarah. The doctor held up his hands and made a gobbling noise deep down in his throat. Immediately the females stopped their noise and looked around at each other. The doctor made some more noises and then folded his arms. 
The sponge made similar noises to the doctor. It was obvious they were communicating in some way, but no one was sure what that way was. It wasn't telepathy, but it certainly wasn't talking. In fact, the doctor and the sponge were using Femazonian oropathy, a means of communication known to very few outside Femazor, the gigantic sponge colony in Alpha Mardis II. The doctor knew how dangerous it would be to make direct telepathic contact with the sponge. What are you doing on this planet? he asked. I am trying to build a transformer to get me back to Femazor. Why have you caused this friction between the inscruits? It was unintentional. I was contaminated by aureolic dust beams on my way here. This atmosphere causes a disintegrating effect of male hormones. Femazonian sponges are made up of equal numbers of male and female hormones. Have your own hormones been affected? Questions, questions, gobbled the sponge, hovering menacingly close to the doctor. I think it is time you stopped. And I think it is time you started telling the truth. The doctor dipped into his pocket and produced a mouse-like creature. The sponge shrank back with a high-pitched sound. Yes, said the doctor, smiling. The enemy of sponges throughout the cosmos. A thrower. If you don't cooperate, I will let him loose. The sponge went quiet. The doctor went on. I have visited Femazor twice in my travels and know something of the inhabitants. Young sponges are kept inside pens until they reach maturity, until they have learned to sort out and organize the myriad responses and emotions they are born with. It is said that Femazonians are born mad and grow to sanity, but the truth is they are born amoral and oversensitive, and must learn which reflexes and thought patterns to discard and which ones to develop. So, you know about us? Yes. I see by your size that you have not reached maturity. How did you get here? The sponge pulsated in fits and starts as if sobbing. It's gobbling. I shouldn't have stayed here, but I was lonely. I didn't know how to get back. On Femazor, I escaped from the pen. I went into the laboratory and experimented with the molecular disperser. There was a flash, and I found myself orbiting this planet. I came in contact with the dust beams on my way down. Inside, half of me was disintegrating. I felt alone. One side of me was lonely, the other side dying. I didn't know what to do, but now I see I was wrong. I... I'm sorry. The doctor looked pleased. He put the rower back in his pocket. You don't think aureolic dustbin disintegration is incurable, do you? He laughed. Why, the answer is right here. He went over to a cabbage and patted a leaf. The juice of this plant can be condensed into an elixir that reverses the disintegration process. And if you're worried about getting home, you underestimate my powers of invention. The sponge freed the female inscrutes from the telepathic domination, and at once they went to work brewing vast quantities of the elixir. In a couple of days, the Inscrutes' feathers were growing again, Harry was perfectly solid, and Doctor Who had a molecular speed beam pointing at Alpha Mardis too. Once you get there, it shouldn't be too difficult to reach Femazor, he gobbled reassuringly. I think you're mature enough now to find your own way, once you will. Thank you, Doctor. 
I am sorry for what I have done. And I hope everything here gets back to normal. Harry watched as an inscrewed female forced another cupful of elixir down her husband's throat. Somehow, I don't think things round here will ever be the same again, he muttered. And not such a bad thing either, Sarah chipped in. No, no, admonished the doctor. I'm due for a little holiday here, and I don't want to spend it listening to you two arguing. And with that, he strode off towards the Lake of Sighs, where the fishing is said to be very good indeed.